Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a brave new world. A world in which Stuart Late and I have decided to podcast 24-7 in order to bring you entertainment during this time of crisis. Uh, did I say 24-7? I may not have told Stu about that yet. That may be something he's just finding out now. Uh, but yes, I, <laughs> I was going to say, when you, when you said we'll do it on mic, I didn't realize you'd, you'd <laughs> drop that on me. My goodness. Yeah, no, sorry, Stu. This is how we live now. Just talking yeah. to each other until this whole thing has blown over. <laughs> so about, about the next six months, we're going to set uh, records. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so get the adult diapers in. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, diaper up and... <laughs> Natalie, I'm always wearing an adult diaper, just in case. <laughs> it's, it's just convenient. It's just That's convenient. It. And hey, with the toilet paper shortage at the moment, uh, look, maybe... Who's laughing now? <laughs> now you are king. That's it. In a, uh, in a toilet paperless world, the adult diaper wearing man is king. <laughs> I'm going slightly hysterical already. Uh, this lock-in not seeing people is really going to do well for me. Oh, yeah. I haven't See, even... See, this, this is the thing, uh, Natalie. I'm, I'm, I've been preparing for this my whole life. I'm, a, I'm an introverted shut-in. I can't, I can't wait for this. It, it is socially acceptable to just stay home. I can't well, I wait for ad- this. I must admit, Stu, I am following your general directive for being at home, which is I'm not wearing any pants. Well, that's, uh, good. that's good. I'm just wearing a house coat and a T-shirt. And uh, undies because I just can't be be buggered um, <laughs> at all anymore. I keep I keep thinking I should wash my hair, and then I keep thinking maybe I should just leave it, see what happens, see <laughs> see what kind of crazy just, experiment I can do. Think it, yeah, think of it as an experiment, just see what happens. I mean, how long has it been since you stopped futzing with your hair? Uh, well, I washed it. I don't know, maybe, because the thing is, we were doing our show, which is quite active, so I don't tend to really try to make too much of an effort because I just sweat like sure. a, you know, <laughs> trooper anyway. So, yeah, maybe Friday, Thursday, Friday, I might have washed it at some point, Friday maybe. Uh, yeah, so it's been a while. That's five days. Fair enough. Yeah. But, you know, let's see if we can get to a week just and getting more and more strangly. More and more Stretch greasy. Go, go full Howard Hughes. Yeah. Oh yeah. I've already got in the. Em- the- <laughs> I've already got the empty milk bottles in. Um, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You're all, all prepared. <laughs> uh, anyway, so what are we doing? Why are we here talking shit on the internet? Because I messaged you today, going, "Hey man, you want a podcast?" <laughs> because what the world needs is more people talking about the coronavirus. No, well, it, not necessarily just that. I mean, we can just push that to one side if we want. It was more that the last time we podcasted was two weeks ago where I came to your house and we had a lovely chat about Doctor Who with Dan from the Smart podcast. And it was great. And it was three hour, hours long. And, oh, gosh, were we not sweet summer children? Uh <laughs> <laughs> I would strongly. I haven't gone back and re-listened, but I would strongly suspect that at some point the phrase "this was the worst thing ever" was used. And look, you know, <laughs> the, the subsequent fortnight has really sort of shown the shallowness of that particular view. I do know we were talking about hand sanitizer at one point. We were, yeah, yeah. Well, because was- because this is something that has been around for a while, but it just feels like the last two weeks, in particular, the 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 
the throttle's really been let out on this one. Yeah, or last two weeks, last four days even. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it's just ramped right up. And, yeah, so I guess I thought maybe we would have a chat. I'm trying to work out how, you know, what to do to be creative and, you know, keep me from going insane uh, while I, I, you know, do my best Howard Hughes impression here at the flat, um, which, by the way, I will say is kind of a, in a midden state. So uh, because <laughs> I've been sleeping on my couch now for about three weeks. Oh, that's right. Yes. And I'm, I'm waiting for a new bed to be delivered. And I'm hoping that it won't be called off. The delivery won't be called off later this week <laughs> because I'm getting really weird into weird, really weird habits, Stu. Some really yeah. weird, strange couch sleeping, living like today. Uh, I did. I went to bed really late because yesterday. Well, let me let me just put this into some context. My show got canned. Yes, yes, it because did. Everything got is getting canned, and That's it's right. absolutely only to be, you know, expected. And, and it's outside. and it's not. It's worth pointing out. It's not the show's fault. The no. show was doing gangbusters. Oh my God, Stu! Finally, I had a hit. Uh, finally. People were coming to see something I I, I do, uh, not to not to denigrate any of the Game of Thrones uh, fans who paid me for my writing. I may need you. Please hold on. I, I guess I'm in, in the, <laughs> please stay with me in the theatrical sense of um, you know the show was doing really well and we just extended a week. Hooray! And those tickets Hooray. were starting to sell really well. Hooray! And then it was all um, it was all brought to a halt. Which is totally fair, and I'm not bitter about that at all. I consider myself one of the lucky ones. Um, there's going to be a lot more people doing a lot more tough, absolutely. But all, of course, all of yesterday was all the decision making, all of the putting up of the, um, you know, putting up of everything. So I just kind of decided, well, I don't have to do anything tomorrow. I'm just going to stay up till 3 a.m. mindlessly scrolling the internet, reading articles about how we're all doomed. Um, so. <laughs> I sort of it's woke up. It's the healthy up. thing to do. It is. And so I woke up a bit in the morning and fell back asleep. And because I'm on a couch, I'm like constantly sort of, you know, you don't really relax, I guess, like you do in a bed. It's fine. It's a comfy couch, but it's not the same as a bed. Do you know what I mean? I and, know exactly what you mean. And so Having then I slept on a few up, couches in my time. <laughs> woke up, uh, fed the cats, uh, then fell back asleep, then woke up again a bit. Fell back asleep. Like, I was just sort of in this weird moribund daze. Uh, and, you know, now I'm all like, ba-pow, ba-pow, ba-pow. I've had some Pepsi Max and ba-pow, brain, bleh, need to vomit for words. <laughs> um, so I'm a bit all over the place. But, uh, yeah, so so this, I can't even remember what brought me there. But I'm living in a midden. Because uh, <laughs> I had to, so I had to get new floors. And this is the other fun thing about timing, yeah, because... Um, a few weeks back, why I have no bed is because – so I foster cats. I don't know if I've mentioned this to you. Um, but one of them, the newest one that I got just before Christmas, who's a foster cat called Bethany, beautiful cat mm. but a snippy bitch. And and I mean that with love. Um, but when I was in Perth, she started developing a habit of pooping in my bedroom on my carpet. Oh, and look, my carpets were trashed anyway. My bed was this horrible, big, ugly, heavy thing that was trashed because the cats had scratched it to hell. You know, the drawers weren't functioning anymore. Like it was tight. All of it needed to go. But this cat pooping incidents 
you know, repeated incidents um, forced everything to a head. So I just went, you know what, that's it. Let's rip out all the carpets. Let's rip out the bed, the mattress. Everything goes and I'm going to get new floors and a new bed and mattress. Uh, so I organised for all of that. Thankfully, was able to get the floors installed really quickly. Found a really good place um, that that did them. The new like those laminate floorboards. They look really sweet. Yes. They are scratch proof. They are waterproof. I'm so excited. Um, and uh, yeah. So and then the coronavirus hit, and my show got canned. So I kind of used the last of my savings pretty much for these new floors. Right. Yes. Bet. Thinking they would be replenished. Thinking, yeah, and look, I will get paid at some point some money from what we were able to do at the powerhouse. So I'm not, you know, I'm not going to staff. It's just, it's just like a bit of a, ooh, this is an interesting position to be in. Uh, <laughs> but I, look, I don't regret it. I'm glad I have new floors. I will have a new bed. I will be able to spend some time freshening up my house and making it a place where I live uh, that the cats also live, not just where the cats live. And I kind of try to carve out a space. Um, I'm reclaiming my house from the jerk cats, Stu. I, I insist. <laughs> So I'm glad that, to hear that, Natalie. I mean, it's very good because they they were sort of you were you were occupying less and less space in that place, yeah. and, and the cats were occupying more and more. <laughs> but what I have done, well, let me first thing though. Speaking of timing, uh, my shower screen. We have now discovered my shower screen is rotting, or the seal is rotting, or something, and is now leaking whenever I take a, a particularly long shower or anything like that. It now leaks into my neighbor's flat because my bathroom borders one of their bedroom wardrobes and it's like seeping into the floor of their oh, wardrobe. God. And of course, because it's in my flat, I have to now get a new shower screen that is on me. And shower screens and a full fit out is probably going to be like 800 odd bucks. So I'm now showering. Thankfully, I have a second shower. So I'm now showering my other shower. I don't get, shouldn't have nice showers in my nice shower I'm having. You know when your second bathroom, it's just not the same if you have oh, a second. Oh, yeah. I don't want to sound like a privileged shit. I just happen to have a two- bedroom two bathroom flat and i don't like my second bathroom shower I'm like, <laughs> oh, crap. it's fine it does the job but it's not nourishing and nurturing like my own shower in my bathroom sure uh, which i have a different shower head on so i'm like well i need to make at least 800 dollars to get a new shower screen at some point but i just can't justify spending my remaining dollars on that just yet uh <laughs> because i have so another the, the downstairs neighbors can just live with the water they're, well, they're the next, the next, the opposite neighbours, I should say. So they're on the same floor. It's kind of seeping from under my floorboards under into theirs. Right. The okay. Or whatever. I don't look. I don't know. But a plumber came out, assessed it, verified it. It's all my problem. Crap. Um, what I did do for a win, though, Stu, and we'll get onto this coronavirus soon. But I just am trying to keep things positive and light. I had a win. <laughs> I have made a hack. You know how the internet has people doing hacks, like life hacks and stuff? Sure. So I was able to carry out a hack. I was able to get from Facebook Marketplace, I've been thinking of this for a while, I was able to get a, a cabinet someone was flogging off for very cheap, and I know it's very cheap because it's the exact same cabinet that I have elsewhere in my house, and it was the exact same model, and I know how much like I paid for that, and I didn't pay retail price because I never did, but he was selling it for 80 bucks, and I went, holy oh, wow. shit. That's a bargain because I'd seen other ones of its type for like 200, 250, 350. And I was like, 80 bucks. Oh my God, that's a bargain. And I got my mate Scott, hello Scott, if you're listening, uh, to come around with his van because he has a van. Uh, it's a Ghostbusters van. It has a, like a legitimate Ghostbusters fan club. Like, what's the ghost? Slimer, is it? 
anyway, so you drive around and it's like, who are you going to call? It's great. And so we went over to this guy's place, uh, got this hutch thing, buffet table thing, and I have turned it into a cat center. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, so I got my dad to drill out a hole in this in one of the sides. So I've taken out a middle shelf. So there's one side, it's like two sides with doors and then three shelves in the middle. So one side is now the cat litter box. So mm-hmm. they jump in the side and the door is closed. So it's like a private litter box with a, an extra hole at the back to um, for exhalate, what do you call it, ventilation to go out the window. And then the other side is for storage and the three drawers are for storage as well. So all of the cat shit is going to be minimized in the <laughs> cat hutch center. And I am stoked. That is a win. That's a win for me. Uh, I'm reclaiming parts of my house and the cats are getting like a nice tidy hidden litter center and I'm sure. I'm going to I'm going to be sweet. But you didn't come here, Stu. You didn't reply to my request to podcasts to listen to me <laughs> ramble on about my cats, but you have to all understand I'm so I mean that, that does provide a significant amount of our content. Let's not let's not go crazy. So like <laughs> But why I'm here is talk about all the crazy things that's been happening with this this virus or how we're all dealing. There's a few pop culture things related to it that I thought would be worth talking about. But also I thought it would be good to kind of brainstorm some ideas and encourage people who listen to see if there is any content that they would be keen for me to do because I'm now, um, you know, I've got a lot more time on my hands and I have I have a whole bunch of things I can do, like stuff that I've been putting off, like arranging a proper mailing list and redoing my website. And there's a whole bunch of admin mm-hmm. that I'll be doing, but then sure. I, I need to keep my brain going I need to I need to do things and make things and they might be stupid and they might be silly but maybe I'll hit upon something that works that's good Uh, maybe we can podcast more so I'm open for suggestions and then maybe if I do stuff that's like not totally shit I can throw like a PayPal link and it can be a tip jar so if people want to throw me a buck they can do that but no pressure like no pressure but like a lot of like a lot of people in the arts everyone's kind of trying to think well what can we do to like make some money so I'm like well maybe Maybe if I do something, you know, that's that's interesting, uh, yeah, you know, it could it could it could help. <laughs> totally, it certainly could. You, you, you can't go wrong with that. Make something that's interesting. People so, seem to be into that. Who knows? Who knows? I'm still trying to think about it, but um, yeah. So I'm a little bit wired and tired. So I do apologise for the rambling. But what I got Stu to do with me before we started recording is to do our one minute challenge. <laughs> That's it. Well, we always do a one-minute challenge, and why should this be any different? So we we wanted to set up, uh, we wanted to do a one-minute challenge of everything that we could, everything that had made the biggest impact of us on us about this current uh, coronavirus uh, situation. Yes, uh, the coronavirus crisis, the corona, corona roma, corona cor- moaning corona. Um, <laughs> do you want to go first? Now, now Weird Al has said that he will not do my my corona. <laughs> he's, he's said that definitively, so we should respect that. Yeah, thank you, Weird Al. I'm sure he'll be working on um, many other things. Uh, Although I have seen someone do a version of "I Was Only 19" uh, using instead COVID-19. Ah, which is, uh, that, that's such a good match that, that good I wish one. I'd thought of it myself. Yeah, yeah, that, I think that's going to happen a lot. It's going to be a lot of like, oh, I wish I'd thought of that. That's very clever. <laughs> Um, so do you want to go first with your one minute challenge? What did you write down? Yeah, I can go first. So, so I have a list here and, uh, uh, the top of my list is Tormund. No. Yeah. 
So for anyone who doesn't know, uh, first of all, I mean, I don't know how much back, I don't know how far back into this bit we need to go, but uh, yeah, I, so, I, I, I had the same thing. <laughs> I have a, I have a deep and abiding love of Tormund Giant Spain from the uh, the hit show Game of Thrones. He's the big, uh, the big wildling with the red beard and hair. Uh, he is my favorite. He's my man. Uh, and um, uh, he, the actor who plays him, Christopher uh, Christopher Hsu, uh has uh, come down with the coronavirus. He's come yep. down with the coronavirus. And look, can I just say, take me instead, please. <laughs> if there was, if there's anything I can do to just like, if we could swap places somehow, uh, save that beautiful man. See, my I'm take sure was my <laughs> take was different. My take was that you know, well, the virus is screwed up now. The virus has made a terrible mistake. The virus is in for a rough ride. Yes. It's going to be axed, literally axed in the RNA. <laughs> Whack. Uh, what else did you have on your list? But yes, I basically it had exactly the same at number one. Was Tom and Giant Spain? No. <laughs> and I mean, you know, so we're seeing that we're seeing. Um, uh, yeah, the the next thing that I had on uh, my list was, of course, uh, Tom Hanks has uh, come down with coronavirus in yeah. Queensland, in the Gold Coast, uh, where he's filming this new Elvis movie, apparently. Yeah. Uh, so he and his wife Rita Wilson have both uh, tested positive. They were <laughs> we made international news uh, around the world. Uh, so you know, Australia <laughs> Australia potentially could kill Tom Hanks. It's a very um it's a very fraught time. But uh, what I what I found really interesting about that was that uh, he's been posting on social media as as he does, uh, and he posted a picture of him uh, put it with some Vegemite on toast, you know, because he's in Australia and he's pandering. Good on him. Uh, but he's got he had this incredibly <laughs> yeah. thick spread on his Vegemite. Yes, he did, didn't and he? Yeah. Lost their minds. <laughs> it was just amazing, and like people were like, "Oh, pretty pretty thick spread there, Tom." You're right there, mate. Like, what's going on? You know, like so much. <laughs> there was just post after post after post of people like correcting Tom Hanks about saying there's a bit too much Vegemite on your toast. And all I could say, all I could think was, the guy's come out here to film a movie. He's helping the local economy, right? Yeah. He's got coronavirus for his trouble, right? Let the man have as much Vegemite on his toast as he wants. It's Tom Hanks, you animals. <laughs> Tom Hanks is allowed to have as much Vegemite on his toast as he wants. <laughs> He's obviously got a taste for it. I mean, we should That's be applauding it. that, surely. <laughs> when, when native-born Australians are sitting there going, Jesus, a bit, fair bit of a Vegemite on there, mate. <laughs> right? Like, that's when you know you're, you've turned native. That's crazy. <laughs> Leave him alone. Um, well, the other thing that I, I think I've seen some comments somewhere about, like, how um, it was – I think some American, maybe it was a late night show or something I was watching, and I do want to talk about them, um, is the uh, fact that they were in Australia and so they got tested because of our healthcare system. Like they yes, were just, yeah, yeah. they were at the Gold Coast Hospital. They weren't, I Not don't that think they, they would have had much trouble getting tests over in the US, but I, but yes, the, the point stands. Of course not, but I think they were pointing at the whole sort of like public healthcare system and how nightmarish it seems to be in America at the moment because there's so much misinformation about who can get tested, uh, is it free, is your insurance going to cover it, if you don't end up testing positive, will you then have to pay for it? Mm, yeah. Like, if you've got something but it's not coronavirus, oh, well, you still have to pay. Like, uh, you know, the American healthcare system is uh, so yes. great. It's so but, great. But, Nat, don't you, don't you understand that if you had healthcare for all that it's just communism and that's oh, bad for some it reason? It is. 
it is that people can go to a hospital and get treatment no matter what treated, their yeah. yeah no matter what their income or their social status or <laughs> it's madness it's, it's and isn't isn't that a system you know that we want to you know we we want to emulate and yes. by dismantling our own healthcare system and, we do and, we do because yeah. people should have choice people should be you know if people are dying on the street because they can't afford healthcare well they've made a choice Stu. and that's sure. the most important thing about our capitalist society is that people are able to choose to die painfully yeah you know and i think that's something we need to protect absolutely anyway um <laughs> yes but god bless tom hanks and all who oh, yes. him. i did love that he made a, a, a joke at one point he said uh, remember there's no crying in baseball and i was like yeah. oh, there's no crying in baseball i love that movie love that movie it is the great – it's one of my favourite movies, and I haven't watched it in years. And I was like, I should go back and watch that movie. It just was such a – like such a movie of my childhood and so – like such, you know, women in the lead, women front and centre, like amazing, amazing movie. Yeah. Just yeah. – but, yeah, his classic line of there's no crying in baseball. <laughs> so. That no, was a good one. Yeah, that no, was a very good movie, that one. Mm-hmm. Um. The the next item on my list is uh, apparently we're holding Yoan Grufford uh, captive. Um, so Yoan Grufford is in Brisbane filming the latest it's, series of Harrow. It's Griffith. Um, I hate to I hate to I hate to correct you, but yeah. Yoan Griffith. Uh, yeah, Griffith. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but it's just Welsh. It's convenient. It's just Welsh. They they throw they throw letters at a page and see what sticks. Um, exactly. But uh, so Yoan Griffith is is uh, apparently trapped in Brisbane. His wife has taken to social media. To say that um, he's been trying to return to the UK, but they're not like letting him leave in the sense that like the production of Harrow is not shutting down. Apparently, I don't know if this has been confirmed or not, but I saw it all over social media today, which obviously you know is always right. Uh, but yeah, just bizarre. Apparently, Harrow is still filming. Meanwhile, like the ABC is doing social distancing. Uh, you know, in all its offices as much as it can, and everyone's working from home. Uh, but apparently Harrow is still going to be filming because everyone needs to see Harrow. So I can give some insight on that because I attended today um, a forum, a, a performing arts industry forum that Labotte held, and they arranged it probably Wednesday, Thursday last week. And then, of course, over the weekend, everything's kind of exploded. Sure. Uh, so it was a – now. I'm surprised I, I it still went ahead. Look, they held it in the main theatre, which seats – oh, God, this cat. Um, they held it in the main theatre, which seats 400. There were there, – a lot of people tuned in via a live stream. They right. – everyone kind of sat separately uh, and w- they had um, – with microphone hygiene, so they only had two people carrying microphones and so they would go around. You'd tell them your question and then they would say it into the microphone so they weren't having people <laughs> – yeah, it was well done. And look, that's I think, that's actually genius. That should happen at everything. Can I say it was genius because I went, oh my god, this actively stops that typical forum question. Yeah. Um, well, it's not so much More of, of a, a comment. Question, just of a comment. I just want to say that we're all really important, and you know, we have to band together. And I just want to ramble for a while because you've given me the microphone. So it actually, <laughs> it actually meant it went really efficiently. And I would like to implement that in a lot of public forum things, which is yes. you have you have like pre-screening. And at a couple of points, they went, "Oh, do you do you do you have someone there who's got something to say?" And they said, "Oh no, it's more of a suggestion. We'll do it at the later bit, you know, rather than a question." So they were able to yeah. like triage the questions. Amazing. Before. 
So I highly recommend doing that and saying it's for safety and then keeping it going as an ongoing practice. That, that is uh, one of the things that should definitely keep going. There, there are all sorts of things that, you know, are a bit inconvenient, but that's that. there's definitely things that we should definitely keep doing when this all blows over. And that is one of them. That is genius. It was so good. It was so good because then if somebody had just had the same question, they were like, oh, I just had the same question. So we'll move to the next one. And it was, or, you know, something that was similar, it's just been answered, great. And they weren't able to get it and go, I know you've just answered this question, but here's but my... I wanted to ask question. it? Yeah, I want to ask it now because people are, you know, people, again, more and more what I'm sort of seeing and how I'm interpreting a lot of the actions that people are doing in all of this, and we can talk about this later, is it's that kind of desire to have some sort of control. Sure. And so when people are trying to buy toilet paper, they're trying to buy hand sanitizer and they're getting really... Um, hyped up, they're getting hyped up because they're losing control. You know, they're no longer, yeah. or they're trying to find something. Like nobody can control this disaster of the coronavirus. They're like the White Walkers. They're just going to come, and it, you know, it's just going to spread. And it, it is, it is a thing. Uh, I'm not trying to trivialize it, but it's that kind of inevitable march of doom. You know, and so I think people are going, well, I've got 16 rolls of toilet paper, so I've controlled something, and it gives people. <laughs> Gives people a personal sense of um, calm and control. So I'm sure it's people are being idiots, but I can also understand the desire to to feel like you're being proactive and in control of stuff. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, so at this forum today, Michelle Ray, who is the um, head of the uh, Media Entertainment and Arts Alliance, the industry union, sure, was talking about the screen industry and how. S- Screen is different because they're not classified as a community gathering. So working on a screen project is not coming under the same directive or suggestion that gatherings over 500 should cease because they're community gatherings. They are people coming from all sorts of different places and going to a concert or going to a live event or going to an art gallery exhibition. They're community events. A screen production is a workplace. Sure. So it's a workplace environment. So in the same way that you are going to your job and washing your hands and in, not sharing computers, not sharing you know keyboards and all that kind of practice, that's what the screen industry is doing at the moment. They're still trying to it's, – it's about workplace health and safety rather than shutting down and cancelling. Now, it may come to that, but not yet. So I guess from that perspective, they're like, well – are you better off staying here, Yoan Griffith, than um, going to going home where you might contract it on the plane or something? And, you know, is it better that you're here and we can get this through this? But obviously he's got a family and yes. you know, he probably would want to be with them. Um, can I add a personal story in that I actually haven't told anyone yet? I, d- sure. didn't even tell, I didn't even tell my cast this, but I was actually working with – uh, Hoodlum, who were the producers of Harrow, because I know them from my previous job in government, and I had this whole. So backstory: I met Yoan Griffith in my previous job. I don't know if I've told this story. Ah, uh, you, you have, you have, you definitely told it uh, to me and on Mike. Oh, have I? Damn. Well, anyway, <laughs> I met Tell it him. Again. People might I, not have heard. Well, I said to him, uh, my little joke was, I just want to say thank you for pulling Rose out of the ocean. Uh, at yes. the Atlantic, because he was Harold Lightoller, I think he had a, one of his first small film roles was in Titanic as the one of the the sailors officers who helps people in the lifeboats, and he goes back and he's the one who pulls, you know, sees that Rose is in the water, 
And he laughed and said, oh, you know, thank you. That's great. And it's funny how many people still comment on that. And <laughs> I, I then went, well, it's funny you should say because I do a play called Titanic, the movie, the play. And it's all about that movie. You know, it's that whole movie and showed him some photos because I'm an absolute ham. And he was like, that looks fantastic. You know, he's really positive about it. And so I just had this brainwave a couple of weeks ago. I was like, oh, my God, I should talk to Hoodlum and invite them along like some of the Hoodlum members and hopefully Yoan to come and see Speed, the movie, the play, because it's not Titanic, obviously, but they'd get the idea. And I know from when he was here filming the first series when I was in my job that he really enjoyed seeing a couple of local productions that they got out to. Because um, sure. he's just he's just a genuinely good guy, you know, which is lovely when you meet celebrities and they're actually lovely. Yeah. And <laughs> so they were working with um, – I was working with them over the course of a couple of weeks to book in some sessions because the show was booking out so fast. I had to block off a number of different um, ticketing blocks for yeah. them. And anyway, I think they were booked in to come like this weekend, had the shows uh, gone. Of course, yeah. He hopefully would have come on the bus and that would have been uh, a lovely surprise for my cast. If they're listening, sorry. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so uh, I don't know what – at what stage big productions will halt? I suppose if it's if they if they if they find out there's contact, then they will. But I'm not sure whether they'll be. And this was discussed at this forum today. Is what the sector wants is really clear directives from the government. There was this whole magic number of 500. So anything more than 500, yeah. and of course that leads people to think, well, is 450 so different to 500, or is you know we were for example we were doing a show. Our show only seats 42 but we're also in a fairly confined space because we're on a bus. Sure, so, yeah. You know, there's all sorts of – and so what people were saying is we need clear directives about, how, you know, what the sizes are and, and so uh, – and then what timelines people might have to start re-looking at putting events back on or, you know, and, and everyone appreciates it's a fast-moving event and we just don't know a lot of that stuff, but that's kind of like the – you know, those are the things that as soon as they can be answered, that's what people are looking for is that, hey, are we going to be out till December and we should just forget everything? And is that what the government is going to direct? Or are they going to kind of wishy-wash and go, oh, we're thinking a month, but maybe two. And, you know, people just want to know as much as, like, as firm as possible, which I know yeah, is exactly. hard to, I know, which I know is hard to, hard to do. But um, carry on with your list. I'm sure I'll have more things to say. <laughs> well, I was so, going to say, um, so so that there was that. Uh, and then um, I don't think there was too much else. I, I, I had a note uh, saying that, um, so there was that initial spark of uh, panic buying of toilet paper. But then, like, it kept on happening, which yeah. is the weird thing to me. Like, like, you know, you would think after there was multiple sort of, you know, uh, reports and things like that saying, you know, ridiculous, panic, panic buying, haha, don't do this. And then people would just sort of be like, oh, that, that's so stupid. We should not do that. Except everyone keeps on doing it. Every time they get new toilet paper, it's just like, it's like seagulls on a chip. It's, it's this, this free for all. It's crazy. Yeah. Specifically yeah, I, toilet paper. And I, I, and again, I, I know there's a few theories out there about why, but it's like, it's because you just get don't... stuck in house. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. And people, people want to be able to take a poop. That's, yeah. And again, adult diapers. I'm, I'm just saying. Yeah, it's true. Well, my mother, and I don't mean to embarrass her or anything, but my mother has said, well, when she was a kid growing up in Ireland, like you would often just use flannels or rags. 
<laughs> and then they would be washed and then repurposed or re-put back in, you know, in a pile and you would use that and then wash and reuse, particularly for number ones, I suppose, when you're a woman. Number two might be, you know, you want the flexibility of flushable paper. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, we're all just going to have to, you know, toilet paper is a relatively modern invention, I think, so we're going to have to start being creative, I guess. But I yeah, think, that's right. You know, we are we are way more disconnected from our bodily functions, I think, than generations before us were. Absolutely. Um, you know, we toilet in private, and that historically is not a thing. Like the Romans would have big latrines that you would go in and sit down. They might be separated by by sex, but yeah, you would go in, you'd sit down, you'd have a chat to the guy next to you. Um, there'd be a central panel with, uh, you know, a, a, a um, a water course running beneath it and then there'd just be a seats on top with holes cut out and you just sit down and and that's how the Romans did it. And it was like a social thing. <laughs> you would. What a, what a strange noise you just made. <laughs> uh, well, I was trying to, <laughs> you know, theater of the mind. Is, is that how you go to the toilet? I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> how you going, Bob? <laughs> uh... I, I know, I know it's a bit fraught at the moment, but you should probably see a doctor. <laughs> No, I've just got to up my fiber intake. Um, <laughs> so, um, uh, so there was that, that, and then, and then the yeah. last, the last item I had on my list was uh, saddest St. Paddy's ever. Uh, it, as we are recording this, yeah. it is the evening of the seventeenth of March. It is St. Patrick's Day, uh, and month, not a it? drop of Guinness has passed my lips today, Natalie. I've been working uh-huh. all day. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and weirdly, actually, I'm working from home. Um, the the uh, outlet I work for uh, has sent everyone home, but we're still working, so we're all really uh, teleconferencing and everything. Yeah. And and the thing is, you rapidly realise uh, I could be doing this all the time. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing stopping me. <laughs> there's nothing stopping this from just being what I do. Yeah. Because uh, I haven't changed my work output at all. Uh, you know, it's a little bit more inconvenient because uh, I'm I'm on the outskirts of Brisbane, and so you know it takes about 20 minutes to drive anywhere. Uh, so it becomes a bit harder to sort of plan to get to press conferences and things. But otherwise, like I'm pretty sweet. Like <laughs> this is this is actually pretty good. Yeah. Not having to go into an office is not bad. Yeah. Uh, and again, like in terms of just the general social isolation, uh, I've been preparing for this my whole life. So. <laughs> You know, I'm I'm actually pretty set. I mean, I'm I, I one of the reasons we work so well together is that we we complement each other in many ways, and so I'm the complete <laughs> opposite of you, in the sense that you know you are a very a social person. Uh, I am not. I I am very happy, uh, just just chilling at home, extremely yeah, happy. I mean, the thing <laughs> not is- a lot in my life is going to change, is what I'm I saying. Got in, I got in trouble years ago because I think I put on Facebook. Look, I'll just say one thing. Um, you never get extroverts putting up memes or ranting about how their needs aren't being met because, you know, everyone else is introverts. Uh, Introverts seem to have a disproportionately high rate of talking about how much they're introverts. Now, I'm not saying specifically (laughs) you, Stu. I'm saying there's a particular type of person that seems to want the whole world to know that they're an introvert. It's like, hey, everybody, look at me, please. Look at me, please. 
I don't like attention and I'm an introvert. <laughs> Which is quite ironic, really, when you think about it. Yeah, exactly. This is my point. This is my point. There are so many memes from people. And I guess it's because Facebook, social media is a public square where you can be extroverted while you're an introvert. Exactly, yeah. So I, I think that I think that's the big difference is that it's the it, it's the meeting place for the extroverted introverts. But you're not. Oh, I don't get me started. Also, on that. also like like that dichotomy is crap. Like some, it's you know, so I, I enjoy going out. I I love seeing people. I love going out. But like yeah. I also am very happy to stay at home. Whereas some people get really antsy. Yeah, I I um. I, I said on Facebook a few years ago that I just didn't believe introverts and extroverts were a thing. And I was roundly schooled, mostly by introverts, but also people <laughs> people quoting Carl Jung at me and going, well, Carl Jung says it's a thing and here's his thing. And I was like, okay, fine. It's a thing. It's a thing. I don't know anything about psychology. Fair enough. I just hate the way people seem to want to define themselves so much and go, um, you need to take care of my needs because I'm an introvert and I'm I'm going to get in so much trouble for saying this, but it's like, well, I'm an extrovert and um, mostly an extrovert, but I can quite happily sit at home watching true crime documentaries for a week, Stu. I'm not sure. a, I'm not opposed to hermiting um, <laughs> at all. I'm literally wearing no pants right now. Like, well, as, as we established, yes, you're, you're pantsless. I'm just going to keep mentioning that <laughs> just to disturb everybody. Um, <laughs> But uh, I just don't like the way that's like somehow you're wrong if you go, well, actually, it's really nice to catch up with people and I get um, I get energy from that and I think it's important to socialise and I think it's important to um, meet people and get different perspectives and that sort of thing. Like I appreciate that for some people that's harder. You know, my mother is chronically shy in a way that I just find really difficult to understand. Um, but I you know, I can see the downside of that is if you aren't able to form relationships and be able to meet people, then you can kind of, um, I, look, I'm not telling people to get over it. That's what, I know that's what people are going to think. I'm not <laughs> saying you should just like, well, suck it up and go talk to people. But it's like there are life skills that are, I think, helpful and being able to, you know, uh, talk to people is is one of them even if you don't like it being able to to at least give it a go and not complain 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 that the world is set up for extroverts the world it's like well the world the, humanity is social we're, we're chimps we're social monkeys like even the ones who are ex, ex sure. introverts are still social in their own way i'm ranting now i realize that but yes i, I was mostly i'll just i'll just <laughs> put a button on that by saying i was mostly making a joke but that's okay <laughs> i know it's just that I, it it feels somehow it feels sometimes like when you see all these like well I'm an introvert and I have special needs and ooh what about me it's like constant and you're like am I really a bad guy for like wanting to go out and meet people or be social am I really a bad guy it's I like think the I answer is feel, yes Natalie I don't feel the yes, need constantly <laughs> I don't feel the need to constantly go hey everyone I'm a social person I need people's input and discussion and stuff to to thrive. Um, so how about you introverts stop being selfish and actually have a conversation with me? I would be roasted. But an, in, an introvert can say, no, please respect my need to, you know, stay away and to recharge and to not deal with people. I'm just saying. That's, I'm, I'm going to get into a lot of trouble. Because you're, you're just bursting in on uh, introverts like the Kool-Aid man. No, I'm not saying 
that. It's just <laughs> if I was to say on Facebook or on social media that I was having a really tough time because I'm locked up at home and I'm not seeing anybody and I need to see people and to have ideas and stuff to, to really be healthy mentally, like people would roast me for that. Like it just seems to go one way but not the other. But maybe that's just the people I know on social media. <laughs> The other thing is it makes total sense why there would be a bigger proportion of people doing that on social media because they're the Absolutely. people who aren't going out and doing things, you know. And it's I've, not a pure sample, no. It, it's not a pure sample. It's a very skewed sample and you'll probably find that a lot of extroverts are like not on social media or don't check it regularly because they're just out living their lives. <laughs> well, they're, not, they're on Instagram is the yeah, point. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Anyway, sorry, I was ranting. I do apologise to introverts. I don't hate you. My mother is an introvert. I appreciate it, sir. It's a thing. <laughs> a lot of a lot of my friends are introverts. A lot of my friends. I respect you so. and your culture. Apparently so. They love to tell you a lot about how they're introverts. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, um, so what's uh, what's your <laughs> list, Natalie? Well, I had very similar to you up top. I had Tom and Giant Spain and Tom Hanks. And then I just had, what the hell, man? Yeah, yeah. It's weird. What the hell? Um, and this got, this and got then I was in a hurry because, like, like we said, it, it's sort of, it, it's been bubbling along since January. Like, like, there's been there's been cases, in fact, since before Christmas, really. Like, there was there was all the stuff that happened in China, and then there was the Chinese uh, tour uh, group that came to the Gold Coast uh, specifically for Queensland, and. They came here, and then then that was a whole thing where there would be one. There was one case, and then two cases, and then they all See, got it. I missed all of that. I missed all of that. Right. Did well, not, you were busy. Don't even. I don't even. Didn't even hear that. Maybe. Yeah. I was well, you were over. You were over in Perth, I think. Um, yeah. So there was a. The, yeah, obviously. Um, that that was big news here. Um, but also like Perth actually, it took a while for it to reach Perth. So I think while you were over in Perth, the East Coast was sort of dealing with coronavirus. Yeah. And, and Perth was sort of blissfully like, ah, oh, West is best. Hey, hey. Uh, so, yeah. but, and now did you see that they're, they're talking about, uh, closing the border to the rest of Australia? <laughs> yes. I don't think that will happen. But, neither uh, do I, neither do I, but we'll see. Um, but I just, I just love that. Like it's getting... It's accelerating, like, and 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 that that is what happens in a in an epidemic is that that it starts it, there mm. is a period of explosive growth in cases, and we've seen it in China, we've seen it in Italy, we've seen it in a bunch of other countries. The old um, but someone someone posted, uh, and it's kind of stark actually. Um, so this is uh, someone on Twitter posted um, at 9 a.m. this morning. So this is today. This is Tuesday the 17th. Uh, at 9 a.m. this morning, Australia had 398 people who had tested positive for coronavirus. At 2:20 p.m., there was 448 people who had tested positive. So right. that's so, almost I mean, 100 in a day. So almost 100 in a day, and that, that's that's there's a slight lag in in agencies, you know, putting out those figures, but you know that, that's that's a big jump, and we're we're at the point now where you know that number is going to start going up day by day, and you know it's important not to get freaked out by that, but it's hard not to, you know. Mm. Yeah. Oh, it's. Yeah, this is why I think I have to keep talking because if I stop and think for a while, I just want to shout. Um, <laughs> yep, just want to kind of. Um, uh, yeah, so the other things that I wrote was uh, after, it's weird, was also my show got canned and I'm out 20 grand. So yes. <laughs> yeah. 
Hooray. <laughs> Which sucks. Uh, yeah, that is, that's, that's, that's real bad. It sucks bad, but um, I want to be really honest about it. I've just had this sort of mm. just feeling like because the art sector and live industry, live creative industries, live music, live theatre, live performance, it, everyone's going to suffer with this thing. Everyone is, no doubt. Yeah. And and obviously public health and safety is paramount. And I just I have to keep saying that because I don't want people to think I'm selfish. I'm absolutely not. But I just want to raise awareness about the particular impact that COVID is going to have on on the creative sector. Um, it's a very specific impact um, because the sector is almost entirely casual freelance contract gig workers. Totally, you know, there's, yeah. pe- there's people in management who might be full time. There's a few, uh, but the vast proportion of people who work in it and and there's such a flow on effect. And this, you know, it's one thing for me as someone who writes and produces these shows and performs in them, but it's my tech from the powerhouse who was now out of two weeks work, um, just mm, gone. Exactly. And because he's a tech and all the theatres are shutting. That's what he does. He is a technician, lighting, sound. He's a technician. That's that's his job. But it's totally. a you. It's a contract job. You go around. You work different places. You work different festivals. You work different. That's the nature of the business. And mm. so I just I kind of want to spread awareness to go. I think sometimes, and certainly I worry, maybe it's my own insecurities, but I worry that people look at me and go, well, you're not in a real job. You're not um, in a proper job. You're not getting a salary, getting super, getting sick leave, all that sort of stuff. And absolutely- yeah, but if, if they think that and then and then say, so you'll be fine, like that's insane. Well, like they're not, an insane person. You'll be fine, but you kind of almost like, well, you asked for it almost, like a like a – this is the risk you take when you do a career that you happen to like. It's that idea that it's that idea that you you the reward your reward is getting to do a job you actually enjoy or you're following a passion. Ergo, you don't deserve the security and stability of full time work or super or some kind of government assistance when something like this happens. And I think I just want to stop any perception that people in the arts who are going to lose work, that people might look at them and go, oh, you're just entitled. And it's like, no, we don't, we don't, like, as I say, I'm 20 grand down, but that's not a lot in the scheme of things. And that wasn't all going to come to me. That was I might make five to ten out of that for me personally. Maybe the rest is all on wages, expenses, donation, like um, bus payment to hire the bus. Like it, it's it, it's not I'm I'm subsisting on a very low income. Like mm, yeah. it is entirely likely I will not have more much of a taxable income this year because the nature of shows you break even maybe you make a small loss you make a small profit you, you're not sure. raking it in and you and they're gig by gig so I had you know five weeks of a show. But then I didn't have anything lined up for a couple of months. So it's, you know, you make some money and then you have to eke it out until the next project. So you're mm. not getting that regular salary. So I just want to educate and encourage people to think before they criticise and go, oh, well, you know, it's Kate Blanchett. She'll be fine. It's like, no, the vast majority of people working in this sector are working minimum wage, casual, uh, no security, that kind of thing. So... I guess I worry that Australia's tall poppy syndrome will kick in and, and people will be criticised for not having the security of a proper job. And I, I just want to arrest that. But I, again, that could just be my insecurities <laughs> bubbling. To no, this. no, no, no. I think I think there has been a little bit of that. But I, I have been heartened by the fact that there has been so much interest in, in uh, gig workers and the gig economy because yeah. 
It you're has, right. Like, like, you know, beyond like the art sector, I know that's obviously like close to your heart, but beyond the art sector, like a lot of people uh, in part time or casual work, just in general, let alone like, you know, that with the, with like tech disruptors like Uber coming in and that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, people have two or three casual jobs that they do now. And, and that's that was always sold to us in the last few years as like, oh, no, that's that's good because it gives you flexibility and you get to you know, work your own hours and all that sort of thing mm-hmm. and also not get sick pay or, you know, any sort of security from a, from a company. Uh, you know, so it just means that, you know, there's a, a lot of people out there who don't have any sort of safety net. Like if they have yeah. two weeks where there's no work, like they're on the bones of their bum, you know, so it's yeah. just. And, and I want to stress that, um, you know, I, 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 I want to say, and this doesn't mean that I'm better, but I want to say that, you know, I've seen it from all different sides. Like I was I've been a salaried worker for the majority of my adult life. You know, it's only been in the last 18 months that I've taken a step back to try and run my own business and be self-sufficient. And before that, I always had a full pay, paying job. I've been a taxpayer. I've never been on in the welfare system at all. I still am not, um, even though arguably I could probably apply but I don't because the nightmare stories you hear about it turn me off. Mm. And then of course that's the whole reason they want you to be turned off. They don't want to pay you. Yeah. Um, so, and I want, I want sort of people to know that like I still work hard um, even though the things I work on are things like fun comedy shows, but there's still so much work in the background. You know, my actual fun job that I get to do where of performing is maybe 10% of what I do. So um you know, that's a small silver lining. It's like, you know, when I was a journalist and getting to interview, you know, James Earl Jones and Jessica Fletcher, which is not her name. It's Angela Lansbury. It sure is. <laughs> getting to be a part of a press pack that met them. Oh, that's the like 10% amazing cream on top, fabulous yeah. stuff. And then going to court or going to police rounds or going to like the, the, the totally. daily grunt work. Um so it's not as glamorous as, you know, or not as fun sounding as it is. It's still an admin job, essentially. Um, so, yeah, so that's my soapbox. And I'm sorry about that. But, um, yeah, if you are thinking of um, I'm going to through my own page and through Act to React, which, is, of course, is my company um, at this forum today, the Artist Benefit Benevolent Fund. Um, or Benevolent Society, they have fundraisers throughout the year and bucket collections where they collect money to support artists um, in need. They're going to be running an official fundraiser, I think, starting this week, and cool. I'm going to support that in, in terms of if people are interested in supporting people in need, donate to this fund because that is going to get directly to the people that it's needed. They did mention at this um, forum today, and I thought it was really interesting that the bushfires really showed that everybody starting up their own fundraiser via, particularly via Facebook, has problems. Um, you might have heard that, you know, Celeste Barber's famous fund that raised yeah. $52 million, $55 million or something. That's all – I don't think those funds have been released yet because there's a whole the, – it, it created – I mean, it's a fantastic fundraising effort and amazing and not to deny anyone, but I don't think she had any idea that it would get so crazy. Oh, no, she never did. Like she just out of, out of, out of, out of a sense of something to do started up a fundraiser. Yeah. But we have really strict laws regarding charitable donations in Australia. And quite so rightly too. Like it, it should be pointed out. To stop fraud and to stop people from fundraising for something then taking off for the money. So now she has 
raised funds for the fire um, brigade of New South Wales. Um, well, I thought it was for the Red Cross, or, or was it not? It was for no, the... specifically for for the fire brigade. But right. of course, they want to sort of carve that off and go, well, they don't need all of it. They can take a chunk and then we can give some to other groups like the group in Victoria or yeah. wildlife or something. But it's really tricky because that's what people have donated to and by agreeing What I can't to understand, what, what I can't, and, and maybe maybe there's laws surrounding this as well, but what I can't understand is just give the money to the New South Wales Fire Service and then they can make a series of charitable donations to a series of other um, you know, organisations. Uh, may, maybe there's something in line I, that says I they think can't do there, that. Yeah, I think there is. I think there's actual stuff. Like they have been given money to use by charity. They cannot then forward that money on or something like right, that. Okay. I think that exists. Um, so again, I, like, but, but it's one of those things too where, okay, like like those laws exist. We We all live in this society – Surely, in this one instance, we can all agree to just look the other way. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, like, who's going to prosecute that? Who's no, prosecuting pro- it? Well, that's right. But the problem is, is then you're setting a precedent. That's true. And that is true. and and so I think in this so instance, what you're saying, Natalie, is that the they shouldn't get the money, and that no, uh, <laughs> no, it just the 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 sentiment was beautiful. The fundraising effort was amazing. It's just that the volume with which it was taken up has created problems that nobody ha- could foresee. Absolutely. And, and yeah, that yeah. Our laws the unintended don't... consequences of yeah. you know, enthusiastic amateurs launching themselves into a space with which they are not familiar. That's right. And so for me, I want to take a step back and go, okay, well, I don't want to launch a Facebook fundraiser for this when there's going to be a coordinated effort, where there's going to be a... Um, uh, you know, a central agency that I can vouch for because I have talked to them and I have researched them and they are running and they are, have a long-standing history of doing this work. They're a 35-year-old organisation. This is what they do. Um, put your money there and you know it will go to directly to people and it will take less time because that's the other thing about Facebook. It ta- they, they hold on to the money for a while. Um, what I will say before I go back to my list, is I will also probably put out and encourage people to donate to, um, well, in my case, it's my cat rescue group, but it might be other community groups because Bunnings has now closed sausage sizzles um, due to coronavirus, and that's absolutely fair. But those Bunnings sausage sizzles are so integral as fundraisers to so many community groups and I, I can tell you that our cat rescue, probably 70% of our revenue comes in from those barbecue, Bunnings barbecues mm. because they do them. And they actually haven't done that many this year because they've been asked, all the community groups were asked to kind of hold back and they were going to prioritise bushfire fundraising because, again, ah, no, yeah. very, very necessary. But who was to know what would happen? Um, so like, like everyone, they went, yep, that's no problem. Just put us back on when you can. And we, yeah. And so we, we have had a, um, now a freeze on fundraise on, on those fundraisers. So that is a major source of income that we use to vaccinate cats, get them desexed, do more complicated surgeries and stuff. That's where that money goes. Like nobody's making money off Bunning Sausage Chisel. So there might be other organisations like Scouts or Lions Club or Rotary Clubs or whatever that rely on those 
um, sausage sizzles, maybe not to the extent of our cat rescue because I know for us it's a huge, huge thing. So I will probably put up a link to to my cat rescue so if people want to chuck a couple of bucks um, to them because that money, again, will go straight into just getting cats vaccinated, dissexed. That stuff doesn't stop because there's massive pandemics. Our, our cat rescue has had to shut and speaking of that, they're fighting with each other as I talk. Stop it, you guys. <laughs> Stop it or nobody will donate to help you. Be nice. Um, <laughs> kiss up so you can get money. Stop it, you lot. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so I guess what I'm saying is while all this is happening, there are loads of other groups who are going to struggle. Um, and, and, and everybody understands. Nobody is going to... Nobody from our cat rescue is going to, you know, want to put anyone in, in, in danger. Absolutely no one. But it is still a fact that we have 200 cats or so in care, many of which need operations and stuff like that, and we've got to fund it. So, um, And the other thing is we often do fundraisers as well, like trivia nights and things like that. But if, if restrictions on sure. gatherings uh, continue, we won't be able to do anything like that either. So we'll be absolutely relying on, on people's donations. And it's really tough because a lot of people donated to the bushfires. Again, absolutely justifiably, but it means that their charity ability to give has been reduced. So, you know, totally. where do you fit into all of that? So anyway, soapbox ranting, soapbox ranting. Let's go back to my list. <laughs> um, what about Arnie and his tiny horses? Is that something I saw today? <laughs> Everyone's that retweeting Arnold Schwarzenegger and his tiny horses or something. That was just delightful. I love Arnold Schwarzenegger. He is a wonderful, wonderful human being. Yeah. Well, let's just not talk about the maid. Uh, but, yes, sure. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> So, yes, then I wrote down uh, wash hands, social distancing, isolation, all these terms. I mean, washing hands shouldn't obviously be a new term, but, yeah, self-isolation, <laughs> social distancing, all that kind of stuff is, is being um, to the floor, to the, the forefront, uh, to the fore, I should say. And, oh, yeah, my gran is in lockdown in her home now. So, oh, is she? Oh, no. Yeah, okay. it was. Uh, well, I mean, that's good, I guess, because it means that. You know, they're, yeah. they're isolating her for her own good. That's right. And she is 95 and strong as an old ox. And she said to me, because I took her out early last week, and I feel bad about that now. So I'm like, oh, God, what if I did the wrong thing? But, you know, she enjoyed it. And I, she said, well, if this coronavirus comes to the home, I'll fight it. And I said, yeah, I suppose Hitler couldn't kill you, so, you know, what can? And she was like, that's right. And he dropped a bomb on my house. Um, so, yeah. I like when she says that, it implies that Hitler personally came and dropped a bomb on her house, which is, which is quite a fun image. Would he? Yeah, exactly. I mean, look, famously, not a great guy, Natalie. So, I mean, you no. know. No, like <laughs> dogs. So, it just goes to show. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, not a great guy. But it is really striking to me, though, because my gram was born in 1925, so she was born after the Spanish flu. So oh, this, this is really the first big 
pandemic, you know, clearly in my life and in a lot of our lives, I think, and and not to take away from like say HIV AIDS or SARS, not that SARS was as big, but um, swine flu. Oh, no, but, but the Spanish flu was a genuine that was epidemic the world, on the level of the Black Plague. Yeah. Like it was huge and, and yeah. massive and it happened just over a hundred years ago. Yeah. Isn't that, isn't it funny? The timing too. Yeah. Um, I did I a big like, story on it last year. And every and every disease expert I spoke to said that uh, yeah, would you for another one? Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's oh. all I could talk about was yeah, we're due for another one. Tell me, tell me about that. Like, what kind of experts were you talking to? Oh well, you know, I mean, just just um, like infectious disease experts and public health, like, like emergency medicine experts and things like that, and you know, as well as historians. And like a, a big epidemic seems to come around every hundred years or so. And so they said, well, the last one was in 1918 or 1919 uh, for, for Australia. Um, and, uh, you know, we're due for one. And that was that was it. Like they were saying that that's that's what they plan for is, is you know, a big, you know, global pandemic uh, once every hundred years or so. So we're pretty much right on schedule in, in, wow. that, in that respect. That's great. Uh, that they were worried that like SARS was going to be it. Uh, and then it had come early, and then and then SARS proved not to be as infectious as I think they thought that it was. Yeah. But of course, this is another coronavirus, and it uh, it seems to be spreading. So, yeah, uh, you know, and obviously, like you know, healthcare is a lot better nowadays. So, yeah, uh, virus like this, and you know, the, our methods for uh, preventing it and that sort of thing are a lot better. So, you know it won't be as devastating as it was in 1919. I mean, like it was truly devastating globally. Uh, and even in, even within Australia, uh, even within Queensland, uh, it was quite, it was quite bad. Um, several thousand people died. Uh, but you know, those numbers probably aren't going to be repeated this time just because we're so much better at social distancing and cleanliness. And, you know, I mean, back in 1919, that it's important to remember that they still hadn't really figured out what germs were. You know, yeah. like it's, it's not you're not dealing with uh, the same level of healthcare. You yeah. Know? Um. So you know it, they, they were they had just sort of cottoned onto the idea that doctors should probably wash their hands. Yes. You know, and so you know we're dealing with a much more sophisticated health system now, and so for that reason, like we're going to see fewer deaths this time than we did last time, and also they're two very different diseases. They seem to be spreading and the symptoms seem to be very different but mm. you know in, in many ways like we were due for this and so we just have to deal with it and the good thing is that while it it sort of is something that hasn't been on the radar too much uh you know it's very much been on the radar of the people who work in the field emergency medicine and, and you know disease experts yeah they, they've been planning for this and so this is this is everything they've been planning for. So in that in that regard, you should be very encouraged because yeah. everyone you want to be prepared for this is prepared for this. So in that sense, like what um, do you make of, because I've been seeing a lot of people retweeting someone's tweet from about two years ago when Trump uh, sacked the pandemic, the White House pandemic response. Oh, yeah, America, America's a basket case. <laughs> America is absolutely a basket case. Like, it's it's insane what they're doing over there. I mean, you're you're probably more informed and better qualified to, to speak on this stuff than me, and, and um, I, I certainly don't want to preface this by saying, you know, I've, I've been trying to read and trying to absorb things, and I haven't read um, every particular article, but just the general sense that 
that seems to come out is like how can can is this going to be the thing that can stop Trump? Is the absolute poor response of America and his brazen sort of denial of um, of reality when it comes to this virus and its spread? And then what was that thing today or yesterday about how he he wanted to um, pay to get a vaccine purely for America or something? I'm not I'm not, I don't have all the details. Yeah, but- yeah, I'm sure. I, have, I haven't seen that myself, but it sounds it, like something he It was say. confirmed, like the German health ministry confirmed that he had spoken to one of their pharmaceutical companies going, okay, well, how much do we have to pay to have this exclusive to the US? Yeah. You know, like it's, yeah. a, like it's, it's the, a deal. And it's just his whole mindset has no relevancy in this kind of situation. It, it, that sales... Yeah, yeah. And there's been a lot of fascinating articles written about, uh, and I, I sounded really sarcastic when I said that, but I'm, I'm genuinely serious. Like, like, there's been a lot of really fascinating analysis done that this is the one thing that you can't tweet your way out of. Do you know what I mean? Like, like there's, yeah. you know, even even a war, like, you could tweet your way out of a war. Like, like there's, you know, wars are built on propaganda, but there is nothing, like, like a virus doesn't care what you tweet about it. Like a virus is going to keep spreading and if you don't do anything and if you don't do anything to stop it, it will keep spreading through the community and, you know, people will die and there's no, like, there's no stopping that. Like he even, he freely admitted in front of television cameras that he didn't want a ship to dock because it would raise the number of coronavirus cases in America. like and he just said that out loud. He doesn't yeah. understand why that would be an insane like, thing for a president to say. Or just denying that, like, oh, it, it's literally the equivalent of putting your hands in your ears and going, la, 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 not listening, yeah. you don't yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, you're not in the country, ergo, you're not infected, you're not. Yeah, absolutely. And in the early going, he was saying stuff like, you know, oh, it's it's it doesn't exist or, you know, it, it's, a, it's a beat up, like, like, you know, the Democrats are trying to like influence the election or some weird thing. And then as the, as the cases grew, he was like, Oh, you know, it's, it is here, but it's fine. Like, it's just, it's lies. It's just constant, endless lies from a, from a habitual liar. Um, and those are being exposed regularly now. Like, it's not, it's not that, you know, that they were always being exposed, but they're being exposed by people becoming sick and in many cases dying. And the president will say it's not happening and then it keeps happening, you know, and, it, and yeah. it's like the reality for a lot of people. So maybe I mean, the thing is, I, you know, I, I do not underestimate a number of factors surrounding Trump and his rusted on supporters. I think, you know, th- there's been a, a, a flaw to Trump's popularity and no matter what he seems to do, it doesn't seem to go any lower. Um, well, people, but I wonder if that's going to change with this, where where people, especially in you know poorer poorer areas of of America, yeah, they're going to get sick and they're not going to be able to get any treatment. And does that jive with their view of making America great again? I don't know. Yeah. Well, one couple of points just in response to that. I was listening to the On the Media podcast, which is one that I've I've listened to for years from um, NPR. Very good um, podcast about sort of media issues, but over the past few years with Trump, it's really expanded to kind of societal issues and sure. responding to things because you can't just focus on media in the time of Trump because there's so much more. Um, at, but they were talking about how there's sort of been this inoculation, I guess, because every time Trump does something, he's done sort of he's done stupid thing after stupid thing. But then he'll go, oh, it's fine, and then nothing really – you know, the guy was impeached, and then yeah. it just 
they've yeah, rolled off the it back. just doesn't matter like that happened that and, happened like yeah that happened like right? not a few weeks ago and so people uh that his fans or his supporters assume that everything is a beat up because it clearly didn't go anywhere you know yeah. ukraine all these things that in 2019 were like surely this is it I'm like no no he just rolls on and so is is this then the well it's clearly just a beat up it's clearly just a the, the you know this disease is a beat up or it's not his fault or he you know will he get will he sail through by people going well it's just scientists and they're alarmists and that kind of thing Second point is um, whether <laughs> racism will play an impact because it originated in China. And I noticed um, actually the head of my cat rescue posted about someone she knows being literally told in the street, this is all your fault. This You Chinese have created this. And this woman's gone, I'm not even Chinese. I've never been to China. So she must, I assume she must be Asian but not Chinese. And she's just been told in the street by some random that, Oh, this is a Chinese thing. So, and Trump has started using the language of like the Chinese virus. Yeah, and, and a lot of a lot of conservatives have really been gung ho on like let's call this what it is. And it's yeah. like, well, I mean, if you want to call it what it is, it's it's what what is it? Yeah, uh, uh, COVID. Well, COVID nineteen is the disease that you get. You know, so that's that's its name. Yeah. You know, it's not it's not the Chinese virus. That that's not that they they're, they're trying to make fetch happen there. Yeah, exactly. You know, like... Um, and and viruses have got to come from somewhere, you know. They they originate. Sure. It could have been anywhere. It just happened to be China, and yeah. So I I just wonder whether the racism will factor in because on the media was also talking to uh, an academic who has studied or profiled kind of the use of masks because you know this whole thing with the face masks. Um, and people wearing them and then some people mocking people for wearing them because mm. they're not needed, but then if you have symptoms. But he sort of has studied the mask as a, like there's the performative element to wearing a mask sure. where, you know, there are Asian people, like or even um, uh, the Asian people have been so um, highlighted in the media as wearing masks so if you're an Asian person out and about and not wearing a mask, that's almost a coding that you don't care and that you're going to infect people. Like that's, you know, that's kind of oh, the okay. thing. Yeah, I'm not explaining it the best. I recommend listening to the most recent episode of, of um, um, on the media. But this academic is talking about how even he, who is an academic and a doctor who has studied masks, he never wears them because he knows that they're ultimately – you're not useful unless you have symptoms and you're trying to prevent passing them. Um, but when he travelled to America like last, like a few weeks ago or something for a conference, he was like, "Oh, maybe I should pack some masks just in case," because the 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 code we're so in um, used to seeing Asian people in any kind of because of SARS, because of MERS, whatever swine flu, bird flu, seeing like Asians wearing masks. If you're an Asian sure. and you're not wearing a mask, that's almost like you're telling the rest of the world that you're there to spread it. So mm. that, that's kind of what he studies. And I was like, that's fascinating. Like imagine that the performative element of wearing a mask is such that if you're an Asian face not wearing a mask, it's hostile. Really interesting, really interesting interview. Yeah, that's fascinating. Um, yeah. 
So I was going to say something else. Oh, in terms of pop culture, because obviously everything's shutting down, I note that I think The Witcher has shut down um, production. Oh, no. I mean, that doesn't surprise me, but that that, that sucks. Yeah, oh, no. like, like, there's going to be this weird thing because there's so much TV. We, we complain that there's so much TV. Uh, well, we're all going to have a chance to catch up because for the next yeah. year or so, everything's going on hiatus. That's right. And um, movies and, um, yeah, it, it's it's insane. It's going to be amazing. But I also wanted to um, just talk about, I don't know if you've had a chance to see any, um, and I don't even know if they'll be continuing, but last week the late night shows, because I, I will admit I get a lot of my American news by just watching um, YouTube clips of Colbert, of Seth Meyers. Yes, me uh, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Jimmy Kimmel and Samantha B. I don't really like Jimmy Fallon, so I don't watch him. But the others I do, and um, they're, uh, you know, it's like – That's the correct choice because Jimmy Fallon is a giggling idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently an incredibly nice man. He is a giggling idiot. Yeah, or just not the style that I – you know, I, sure, I just yeah. love Colbert. And I, I, I watch Colbert sometimes and think – I'm so glad that Letterman left. Like I remember when they announced Letterman was retiring and I was like, oh, because I used to watch, you know, clips of Letterman. But Colbert is just so on another level. Like I'm not to take anything away from David Letterman, but I think by the end there he was really sort of phoning it in. And Colbert is passionate and he's clever and he's – That's right. He's he's of his time too. Like I think Dave – the the world had passed Dave on. Yeah. (laughs) And he's he's so clever and he's got a great team who obviously care yeah. and they're very proactive and same with Sam B. She's got such a great team of, of writers and contributors and Seth Myers, they do these extended pieces called A Closer Look where it's like yes. 10, 15 Almost minutes. Almost always about Trump. <laughs> yeah, and and just really good at summarising stuff and, and putting it into – and then, of course, John Oliver. Um, and particularly oh, yeah, yeah. Last week tonight was incredible. Last week tonight, these long-form comedy shows that are essentially current affairs shows but comedy, and they're just—it's—it's it's kind of the thing that I would love to do. Like, they're just wonderful. You know, they're informative and funny. And anyway, enough of me um, uh, uh, kissing their ass. And I mean, we, we had one in Australia called The Weekly, but it got killed. <laughs> so. Yeah. I've read, I've read, it's interesting because, you know, America has got such a big population and they have all these big channels and it's very much a part of their television history. Like tonight yeah. shows have been around since the 60s, I want to say. Yeah, absolutely. And even in the 50s when television first, but I, and, and Australia they had in Melbourne tonight with Graham Kennedy, but then there was never really a... A replacement for that. There was never, yeah, there was never really. Well, kind actually, of... I, there, there was a replacement for that, and it was called Hey Hey It's Saturday. Oh, that's true. And, and and our 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 television history sort of went down that different path of that sort of yeah. light entertainment instead of being instead, instead of having that late night sort of thing. We went yeah. down like that weird light entertainment, you know, yeah, big variety sort of thing. Yeah, yeah variety and yeah. Yeah, and um, so I. And I suppose there were things like The Late Show, which was more like sketch. Um, but, yeah, it was sad that Weekly. And, and McAuliffe tonight is great. Uh, mad as hell, sorry. Um, is is fantastic. And it's only once a week. Um, I guess the other thing is America, like, has that audiences and to sustain the writing, you know, you need to pay a lot of writers to yeah, sit totally. 
get ideas and all that sort of stuff. So, um, uh, what was I saying? Yeah, so they've had to move to having no live audiences. Which is fascinating, uh, isn't it? Uh, it's just fascinating. incredible. Fascinating. So interesting to me because as someone who does live shows and I've had a few people say, oh, could you do anything online, like any of your shows online? And you really – it's really tough. Like certainly our big ones that are set on a bus or a boat or whatever, you just couldn't. There's too, they're too big in scale. You can't, you know, whereas a comedian could sit and just talk uh, maybe or if you were doing something dramatic. But, again, there's a magic in being live. There's a magic in having the audience there. The audience is part of the transaction. And, you know, for you and I doing our stuff when we would Facebook Live um, for Game of Thrones and Raven On, mm. Like, that's fun because we would be making each other laugh and then responding to questions. But it's a very specific type of audience engagement. With the late night shows, he is primarily, you know, delivering these funny lines, but you're getting those cues from the live audience. You oh, know, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Well, um, I mean, it's, it's the same reason that, that they have canned laughter over sitcoms. I mean, they, it's becoming way less common now. But, like, for a yes. long time, you had people laughing so that you knew where the jokes were. Yes, you know? that's right. <laughs> now... The problem is not so much even that way anymore because I've been watching these ones with no and still laughing at the jokes. Yeah, still laughing but it's a at different the jokes, vibe. It's totally it's different. The impact, it's the impact on the presenter of not having that. That poor, haptic feedback. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's a great word for it. But you're not having that instant kind of knowledge that, oh, yeah, this is going the right way. Okay, change this up, deliver, you know, make a joke here about that not working. Like, it's so important. And when they put up Colbert's first one, because they were all going to go to it from this week to having no audience, but they had to start early. And so last week, I think they essentially just put up their rehearsal. Like, they didn't then record it in front of the live audience. They just went, well, this is it. We'll put this to air. And so there were heaps of clips of him drinking scotch, riffing, going, surely I've done enough now, and kind of getting loose. But you could see him, and he's a smart guy, and it shows how good he is that he can keep you engaged and keep you focused. But you can see him, or this was my, you know, this is just for me anyway, I shouldn't shouldn't say that, that this is general, but going, how is this working? Like you can see him adjusting and going, yeah. but people laugh at this point, or he might have some people in the audience staff laughing, but it's not the same because they wrote the joke. So they're laughing kind of because they know to laugh, not because they've had this instant reaction. So Yeah, exactly. And then John Oliver this week, if you go and see his, they had to move out of their studio because the CBS building where they broadcast or where they film um, had to be totally cleaned for because somebody had, had, had worked there with corona. So they had to go somewhere else in basically a small white room and it's just him on a desk talking. And they've put up the the images, the superimposed images as normal, but it's just a white background. Like they clearly had no time to even put up a flag or something, you know, put up a, yeah, a yeah. <laughs> or anything. It's just John Oliver in a room. And you realize his, a lot of his very exter- um, uh when they, they take his jokes and they kind of take them to the extreme and, and like the ones where he'll say, this horse is hot. That was one from last week. He's like, this horse is hot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'd want to have sex with that horse. I'm not saying I do, but if I had to, I would have sex. And this this kind of absurd extension yeah, yeah, yeah. jobs where they, they keep pushing this, you know, very bizarre line. But it's funny because the audience is responding to it. Sure. And then he'll pause for a bit and then he'll say it again. And So you can see that he was doing some of that. 
but it's just not quite the same without the audience there to be the other half of the joke to kind of totally, give it yeah. tacit approval by laughing. It's just it's just him kind of saying weird stuff without the context of the audience laughing. Am I making any sense? No, you are, you are, and, and I think it's really interesting because like it's not necessarily. Like you're, you're, and especially you're coming at it from like as a live performer. Like you're someone who does a lot of live performing. Um, I think it's really interesting, just in in the sense of they're doing basically, basically they're doing web videos. I mean, this is the thing. Like, like a lot of this is going out on the web anyway. Yeah. Um, and they're doing they're doing web videos, and there are people out there who are already doing this. You know, it's just that they don't have the budget. Yes. On a Tonight Show or whatever. You know, like like. You have, um, do, are they having guests? Like, like they're not, or they are guests skyping in or something? Or, or I haven't, I haven't they, seen too many of these. Um, he had, uh, I don't think Seth Myers is, but I think Seth Myers might be going on hiatus, and John Oliver certainly seemed to indicate they were going on hiatus. He said yeah. we'll be back in some form in the future, but they didn't say when. Um, Colbert had on Sanjay Gupta, who is like CNN's resident medical doctor expert. Right. So they had him on for like most of the show. He seemed to be the only guest. Um, and they were just talking about what to do and what Corona is about and that sort of thing. But I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they, if they all went into hiatus now. Um, yeah, because it's such a, I mean, it's such a format thing, isn't it? Like, I mean, the, the tonight shows are very, the, the late night shows are very, there's a very set format to it. And, like the bedrock of that, which is the live audience has been completely taken away. And, and it's just like, like it's so interesting to see them basically collapse into a, like without that founding, that foundation, everything else sort of collapses around it, you know, and, and, and to see them sort of working to try and figure out, okay, so what do we do now? It's, it's well, really I've, fascinating. I've just Googled, um, so there's a story. This is a story from Refinery29 from a couple of days ago, saying Seth Meyers, Stephen Colbert, Jimmy Fallon were the first three hosts to announce they would suspend production. Um, Colbert, Fallon, the B.J. Kim or shared final episodes this week without a live audience. John Oliver will host one final episode last week tonight, this Sunday, before joining others on a hiatus. Um, uh, so yeah, so they're they're doing social distancing, um, but I think there would be a part of it which is just what we do doesn't help with. Um, oh, hang on a second. Sorry, I've just found a new Stephen Colbert in his bathtub. Um, oh yeah, I, I saw a link to that and I haven't seen it yet, but apparently, yeah. Yet. So apparently he's doing the show from his bathtub. Yes. Or oh, well, that was probably a probably just one bit. Um, I have to. I, I don't do the show alone. I have to do what's best for my staff. Hope to be back soon. So yeah, it's it's a and if I, this is going to sound really selfish. But that's one of the biggest hits for me is those shows going dark. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. It's, it sounds, yeah, having new content from them was always really cool. And, and yeah. And it's just it's just been a way of processing, particularly the Trump administration, because I want to keep up with the news, but I do find it, it's so weird. I Ten years ago, I could not imagine her being in this position because I was always like, you've got to keep up with the news. You've got to 
consume the news. It's really important. And then people would say to me, oh, it's just so horrible. I don't like looking at it. And I'd be like, how can you turn your eyes away from the, you know, and now I do find myself. Look, look at this blinding light. Yeah, I try. I definitely try to keep up a basic, you know, I'm on Twitter. I see stuff. I try to have a good general knowledge, but I don't consume as much. And I don't like at the moment, I am not subscribed to a lot of papers, if any, because I can't afford it and which sucks um, because I like to support the media and I feel like a hypocrite for not doing that. But it's just a expense I can't really justify right now. And I hope to again in the future. But um, so, you know, smacks on me for for for. Um, you know, talking about supporting media and not doing it myself, but um, I, I try to where I can. Um, and anyway, enough self-flagellating. But um, a lot of it is just kind of horrible, horrible. So watching news through the prism of comedy is really helpful, weirdly enough. That's it, um, yeah. It helps the medicine go down. That's right. And so that not happening is now a bit of a like, oh, but that's my routine you know, that's my that's what helps me feel comforted that I come home and watch a Seth Meyers and watch a Stephen Colbert and go, okay, I'm kind of up to speed with what's happening at least in American politics. Yeah, totally. <laughs> as relevant or not as that is to your daily life. Yeah. So, anyway, um, it's weird times. It's really weird times we're in. It is weird times. And speaking and we've of, we've had time, the podcast about it. Yeah, so I should probably let you let you go. We're coming up to an hour and a half, which for us is practically a, a flying podcast. We've breezed through this one. Um, but there's been a few suggestions um, that I've had. Uh, certainly, people are, seem a few people seem keen for me to kind of recap The Witcher. So maybe I will go back and kind of start that whole process again. I, I want I want to see your take on The Witcher. Okay. All right. Cool. Well, I'll I'll go back and try and and get into the um what do they call that Geralt of Rivia. <clears throat> His mmming. Um, Just and, grunt, and, grunt and drop f bombs. And then someone did suggest that we should, I should recap like all the Bond films or do a thing about the Bond films, and we could podcast about all of the Bond films, which to me super fun. Would love to. That sounds great. Oh yeah, um, me too. It sounds incredible. Are you okay with Bond films? I, I'm I'm very up there with Bond films. I love them. Oh great, brilliant. Okay, well we can. We can, I suppose we could do it chronologically. That would make sense, I suppose. Yeah, it, it makes for, it makes for a weird, um, it makes, the, the, the first one is interesting. And then there's a few, there's a few in the early going that get a bit weird, I guess. And, and oh, then, no, and then once we hit, one, um, right. once we hit the, uh, the, the Brosnans, there's a, there's a few, uh, fallow periods in there no, as well. So GoldenEye is genius. <laughs> yes. It is. I love I love Goldeneye. Yeah. Um, well, this is the thing. I feel like I feel like we should uh, like go through them all, and then we can do sort of a definitive ranking. And also, maybe doing that whole process will help me with the writing of my show that I want to do, which is James Bond is a feminist. Uh, change my mind. <laughs> Um, and I can come to it with the framework of let's look at let's actually look at all these female characters and do a count of how many are actually have agency and how many are the just the stupid Bond girls. So I think that would be good. Yeah, we can absolutely. come with an entertainment framework and a feminist framework, and totally. it'll be because right. the show the, the movies do start undercutting their own tropes much earlier than people think. I think. Yeah, for sure. But anyway. Yeah, for sure. There's there's a lot more going on with James Bond than people who don't, you know, they've maybe watched one or two and gone, they're all like that. And it's like, yeah, there's a formula, but there's also really interesting characters. Um, 
and and ones with names like Holly Goodhead. So jokes <laughs> on you. And let's not forget Pussy Galore. Yes. Oh God, I love Pussy Galore. Oh, Goldfinger. Don't See, we have to do it. We have to do it chronologically. So the first three is like, bam, Doctor No, bam, from Russia with Love, bam, Goldfinger. Brilliant. Brilliant. All great. Hello. It's all good. It's all good. Hello. I thought I'd lost you. I thought you. I'm on board. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we can do that because we can podcast and practice safe hygiene practices. So we can watch the James Bond films in our house somehow. I guess this they'd be somewhere. They'd be somewhere. Sure. I've got, I've got <laughs> they're DVD. out there. I've got DVDs. I think, I think they're on in Australia. I think they're on Stan. Oh really? Oh brilliant. Do I have I Stan? Think. Don't quote me on that, but I, I, I think they I might Stan. be. I'll have to get Stan. Um, I'm pretty sure I have most of them on DVD, but I'll I'll just have to yeah. check. Probably some of the more recent ones I haven't, but uh, I can I can. And look, look, they're James Bond films. You can you can stream them somewhere. Yes. Exactly. So, um, yeah, so maybe we'll look at that as a project, but we might do some more Corona, you know, updated podcast because I don't know part of me wants to kind of have some sort of record of all of this. Yeah, totally. It's a great insight into our uh, mental state of mind at this time of. of yeah. Yeah, because it's a it's it's strange days and everyone, you know, I had quite a good 2019, relatively speaking, and 2020 is just like, wow, everything's just crazy. Yep. Uh, everything went weird. Everything's nuts. So, um, yeah, so I, I just think it would be fun to kind of keep keep a record of that, all that crazy stuff. <laughs> totally. Uh, well with that let us let everyone um go back to their quarantine and maybe maybe call in with any good quarantine tips that you've heard or any ideas you have for us or shows that you've found or you think we would do well at looking at or really anything i'm i'm open for stuff it's yeah if you guys have any ideas about you know, preventing yourself from going completely crazy, uh, please let us know because we're going to need those uh, ideas very quickly. Yeah. So we'll we'll aim for at least like James Bond and The Witcher and then see how we go. Maybe yeah. we could do a podcast. Maybe we could do like a Witcher podcast after each one. If I try to do one or two a week or something, we can have a quick catch up and talk about the witcher <laughs> that's that's wildly optimistic but I, I would very i would very much like to do that so we'll see How many, were there eight episodes of the witcher or i think they're right yeah yeah there were I, eight? Think they're eight. I think i've seen four of them maybe five but that was like at the start of the year and i honestly have not i can't remember a lot except for the weird witch girl and the creepy um well everyone's kind of creepy but yeah there's a there's a there's a dragon who's not a, who's a man uh <laughs> Sure. So, <laughs> it's it's all good. Who knows? It's a, a wonderful, wonderful series. I, I like it a lot. Yeah. So I'll um I'll get back onto that and try and do some actual actual recaps. So we'll aim aim to do one of those later this week. That's gonna be my a project while I also declutter and rearrange my house. So it's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. Excellent. All right, Stu, thank you so much for um jumping on board my last minute call up to do a random podcast. Of um, course. Should we call it like Corona, Coravenon, Coravenon, <laughs> or just? Well, we could we could call it uh, Corvid Corvid nineteen. That's that's. Uh... Corv, no, it's got to it's got to be a pun. Um, I that, was... that is a pun because uh, it, it's COVID nineteen, but then it's uh, a Corvid is a crow. 
Oh. I'm sorry. I went way too nerdy with my pun there. I realized I pitched that way too nerdy. I'm sorry. That's super. That's I did not realize that was a name for a crow. That's so good. <laughs> I, I feel I feel like uh, that's probably that's probably way too nerdy. Let, let's let's not do that. But anyway. Well, if I do uh, Raven on COVID nineteen. Bracket. It's a crow joke. I feel like I feel like that's yeah. We're probably yeah. We're probably losing people just with the title at that point. <laughs> I'll call it Raven on something. Um, yeah. and I need it. I need some music to play. Would it be Would it be in bad taste to play uh, Ben Lee's Catch My Disease? <laughs> <laughs> well, so I was please, I was going to suggest. Uh, hey, hey, please. I was going to suggest uh, Down With The Sickness by Disturbed, but, uh, you know. Down With The Sickness. Okay. I'll look that up. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. So I, I forget sometimes that I, I'm, I'm pitching references to you that, like, it's it's not even I, – I'm, I'm playing a different game. Um, um, so. No, no, no. That's fine because the only song I know by Disturbed is they did a cover of The Sound of Silence, I think. They did. Yes, it's they like did. That's super them, yeah. creepy because that guy's yeah. voice is like, oh, it's down here. Um, the other thing, the other song I was thinking was maybe Toxic by Britney Spears. That's true. Yes, that's that's not a bad one. Yeah. Don't you know that you're toxic? And also, it was used in Doctor Who to signify the end of the world. So well, it was. That's very true. Yes. Oh, good point. And just before we go, just as we go, um, Greg from the Smart Enough to Know Better podcast, because I was telling him that I was going to podcast with you, and he said, "Oh, do you need me to come on and rant about Doctor Who some more?" <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, look, it always makes it better, so maybe. He just wanted to um, – I think he has been sending us, actually, in a chat group, our super secret No Dan Beeston from the Smart Enough to Know Better podcast, a loud Facebook chat group. <laughs> he's been sending us, like, clips of – YouTube clips of Doctor Who because yes. he was telling me he's just been uh, he's just been going through YouTube just watching clips of David Tennant and Peter Capaldi and Matt Smith and River Song, uh, Alex – King Kingston and whatever and Clara and whatnot and just going wow it's it's really good it's it was so yeah, it's good. A good show it's, it's really it's, it's really good, good show. and then he has pledged to uh, he will not die uh, until Doctor Who is good again <laughs> <laughs> so that is his is his pledge coronavirus cannot take him uh, until Doctor Who has been restored um, to to better writing <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> you got to live for something, and it may as well be that. <laughs> um, yes. So, uh, everyone, thank you so much if you have listened to us uh, with our Corona Mania. And um, we will be back, I guess. Just keep an eye out. I'll, I'll post this on all the socials. And, yeah. And, yeah. If, if you've got ideas for what we should talk about, fall Life's in. coming at you fast, guys. We'll, we'll be back when we're back. It really is. We can do. We don't need to have a live audience for this. We can just, you know, make each other laugh. So that's it. Yeah. Woohoo! That's all we've ever been doing. And so, uh, I guess the only way to kind of close off a podcast like this is to rem- remind everybody to wash, wash your hands thoroughly for twenty seconds and don't touch your face. <laughs> or if you do touch your face, do it immediately after thoroughly washing your hands. Uh, So with that, wash your hands and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.